Hi, I'm Erin, a strategic money mastery coach on a mission to create a wealthy woman movement because I believe that wealthy women will change the world. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast for creative female entrepreneurs looking to gain financial freedom. Over the last decade, I've learned how to capitalize on my time and streamline my business to work smarter, not harder. This podcast will include money-related mindset and management tips and practical business advice so you can do the same. I've brought multiple businesses to six and seven figures, co-developed a real estate empire with my sweet hubby Brent that has allowed us to pay off all debt, purchase our dream home, take vacations around the world, and spend more quality time together with our two daughters, Ava and Judy. I'm on a mission to help women entrepreneurs like you stop overworking so you can make more money without compromising or sacrificing the life of your dream. Abundance is yours for the taking. So grab your notebook and your favorite drink and let's get into it. Hello, wealthy women. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Woman Podcast. I am so excited to have Heidi on the show today. Welcome. Erin, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for sharing your platform with me. I'm just so thrilled to be chatting with you today. This is so fun. Heidi and I have never met virtually or anything in person before this moment and found out we already have a mutual person. So I love how the universe works. Love a small world moment like that. So here for it. So before we dive into our conversation on imposter syndrome, I would just love to start with you sharing a little bit about you, what you do in business, where you're at, and who you are outside of business as well. So my name is Heidi B. I am a speaker, author, and um, business coach. I help entrepreneurial women generate you. I help. Sorry. I'm like, what, what do I do? I'm so excited. I like completely blank. Okay. So I help entrepreneurial women use micro strategy to generate momentum and cash in their businesses. And more important than that, I help them stay in the game when the shit hits the fan. So I just have been on the journey myself as an entrepreneur for the last four or five years. I, for a long time, worked a job as a crime analyst with the city of Portland, which sounds very cool. Like I very much thought like, oh, I'm, it's going to be like CSI Portland situation, like blue lights, chemistry lab, like even though I have no background in that, but that's really what I thought. And um, after I got my job there, I, I realized it was like all Excel spreadsheets all the time. And so in 2018, I left my job with the city of Portland to write a book. I had kind of always dabbled with the idea of being a writer, um, but like I didn't actually, I hadn't actually like lived enough life to have enough stories to tell. Um, and so in 2018, I felt like I've got it. I know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about my journey in the love dating relationship space. So I gave my notice to the city of Portland and my last day at the city of Portland was October 2nd of 2018. And I published my, my very first book. It's called Relationship Ready, How I Stopped Fucking Randos and Started Cupcaking My Soulmate um, on October 1st of 2019. So that was like such an incredible journey to write and self-publish a book in a year. Like I learned so much. I had such an incredible experience. I dabbled in kind of like the traditional publishing route and then decided on the self-publishing route and decided, I mean, it's really hard to land a, a publishing deal people. So it's, I feel like everyone who wants to write a book is like, I'm going to go a traditional route. I would love to get a, you know, like I would love to get a book deal. I want to get that book deal money, but it's so difficult. And at the end of the day, I found myself at a crossroads of like, do I care more about like my ego landing a book deal or do I care more about somebody who needs to hear this message, hearing this message? And so that is why 
I went the self-publishing route and I stayed in the love dating relationship space through um, the middle of 2020 and really kind of into 2021. And then in 2021, I pivoted into the business space. And this is really where I found like alignment, where I found my people, where I found like what it is that I love to do. Um, and But I'm very grateful for that time in the love dating relationship space because it gave me a ton of transferable skills. I I wrote the book, I did an online course, I had a podcast, and it's just all that stuff that we like to dabble in. You know, I got to, I got to um, have those experiences there and now I get to stay in this space, which is really cool. It's so fun. I love to get to know people and really hear your personality and get to know you through your journey. So thanks for sharing that with us. And today I know we get to have a really cool conversation Mm -hmm. around imposter syndrome and how, you know, it's all about being able to overcome that because I think a huge part of our success as entrepreneurs is being able to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. And everybody that I bring on to the show is, you know, as we, as we are positioning ourselves to help people become more wealthy mindset is a huge piece of that. And so um, being able to charge the right rates and show up Mm -hmm. in the spaces with confidence, all that stuff is definitely going to translate into becoming wealthy women. So let's jump in. I I just love what you said about that because it's really important. I think it's something that we gloss over all the time. I think it's so important to acknowledge. There's two pieces. There's like two big pieces, two pillars to stay in the game. First of all, you have to have the money to stay in the game. Like you have to be, you, you have to be charging enough that the vision is funded. You either have to have some savings to live on while you get there, or you have to like out the gate, be having your prices high. Like the vision must be funded. So it's impossible to stay in the game with all the mindset work in the world if the vision's not funded, right? So like money is a reality. People have to pay their bills. So like your vision for your business must be funded. Half of that is about like charging the right rate. Half of that about is about being prepared to launch your business, that kind of stuff. And you're right. And then the other piece of it is like, okay, now that my finances are like giving me some kind of like, I don't want to call it like a safety net, but like giving me like a basic level of like, my shit's paid. I'm okay. Now, how do I keep myself in the game? How do I keep myself from like talking myself out of it or saying I'm not good enough? So yeah, both pieces I think are so valuable. You can't do it without both. Yeah. And I think imposter syndrome, you know, it blocks us from being able to gain more money, more access to resources, more access to time because Mm -hmm. we play small and we don't think we have a seat at the table and all those things. So Tell me like first, how did you get interested in helping entrepreneurs battle imposter syndrome? Like where did that come from? Well, I actually think it's so, it's so interesting because imposter syndrome makes me crazy mad. I get like rageful when I think about it because there are actually, there are a lot of women out here who are like blaming themselves for their imposter syndrome. Like, oh, I'm playing small or, you know, like that kind of thing where it's like, they're taking it on themselves. And I heard a woman in a sphere of mind recently kind of unpack all the places that imposter syndrome comes from. And I'm like, okay, look, yes, we all have some amount of personal responsibility when it comes to being willing to show up, being willing to make the ask, being willing to put ourselves out there. But there are these additional layers of imposter syndrome that actually have nothing to do with who we are and nobody is talking about them. So one of the things that happened, like one of the pieces, I I start to think of imposter syndrome almost like a pie, like a pie chart back in high school. We're like going all the way back to, I don't know, maybe trigonometry or algebra. We're going back to some kind of math class 
in high school that had a pie chart in it. And imposter syndrome is the pie. And a slice of that comes from your personal responsibility. Maybe the personal beliefs that you have about yourself. And then another slice of that imposter syndrome comes from your familial beliefs. Like maybe your parents told you like, no, you go be a good, uh, you know, good girls don't chase their dreams. They get the nine to five in the cubicle. Successful people live in the cube or whatever that is, right? Or, and then another slice of the pie comes from capitalism. We live in a capitalist society and capitalism demands that we deliver value. Capitalism as a structure, as a societal force demands value. And so that gets women entrepreneurs in particular to a place where they go, oh, I'm only worthy if I deliver value. And I started to go, oh my God, how many of us are holding ourselves back because we're unwilling to believe that we are the value? That I don't need to go spend 30 minutes 30 minutes would be nice. I don't need to go spend five weeks creating some kind of fucking freebie to deliver value when actually I'm the value and I'm right here. And I have access to social media platforms that allow me to just like hop on and deliver my value in a way that I've never been able to before. So there's this idea, capitalism demands that our value is external to us. And I started to realize like how powerful would we be if we realized that's bullshit and our internal value is really, and that's like the light that we share with people, right? So then there's that slice of the pie. And then the, uh, the fourth, I don't know, there could be like infinite slices of this pie, but the fourth big slice for me is the idea, is, the, is another operating system that we live with in United States, I would say globally as well, which is patriarchy. There's this internalized patriarchy that whether or not, you know, unless you grew up in a home that was like very adamantly feminist, everyone is equal, and, and understood like what patriarchy does to us, almost all of us have this internalized pa patriarchy that make us second guess ourselves in a way that straight white men don't have. So if, unless you're a straight, most straight white men, because they benefit from the patriarchy, whether they uphold it or not, whether they're well-meaning or not, they don't second guess themselves in the way that all the rest of us do. Um, and like a perfect example of this is that a couple of months, this is almost a year ago, almost a year ago, I went to a conference in Austin and I like got this a, a hotel room at this like bougie ass hotel. And I was like so excited to go. And it was like a big deal. Like this, the thing I was going for was high ticket. It was, it was, it was expensive, whatever. And I got there and like immediately, the hotel was so nice and so modern I could not find the door and I'm like oh my god what is where is the door to this hotel so I'm like walking around the block I've got my little roller bag with me I can't find the hotel door so I'm like completely flustered I'm like oh my god and the internal that internal patriarchy the internal chatter starts going well you can take the girl out of Iowa but you can't take the Iowa out of the girl you are just a you know you are a small town girl in a big city and like you don't belong here I mean it just immediately so I found the front door finally even despite that voice and then I got in and I still couldn't figure and then I couldn't figure out where the front desk was because again it was like so modern and so sleek and it took me another 30 minutes to find the front desk and I finally got checked in and I called my husband and I was like I don't know this was a mistake I should not have come here like, I don't belong here. This was stupid. And he was like, God, it just sounds like bad hotel design to me. Right. So like that internalized patriarchy had me like circling the drain on like my existence. And, you know, my middle-aged white husband was like, oh, just sounds like bad design. Not a big deal. You know, and there are some other things that are different about us that kind of have those, have us experience the world in that different way. But I am confident that internalized patriarchy is one of them. So, you know, as I started to learn more and more about like the fact that women, that we, that to some extent we hold ourselves back and to some extent we are held back 
by this, the systems in which we operate, I'm like, we need to be talking about this because you could, you know, because there are just, there are some pieces of work. It's not really fair that we have to do this work in order to move through it, but it's like, it's not going to change like we, but we just have to. So it's like, we didn't create it. It's not really fair that we have to work through capitalism, patriarchy, that kind of stuff. But if we can get through the other side of that, like there is this infinite world of, uh, of passion and creativity and like energy that we can kind of tap into. So that is why I'm, that's a, wow. These answers, I'm sorry, Aaron, you are in for some long winded. <laughs> I love it. I'm just leaning in. I think that I've never heard somebody give such context to imposter syndrome. And I think that's so helpful. And when I'm talking about wealth with women, I bring up very similar things when we look at history and we look at what has been in the societal structures. Uh, you know, it's not just about our own limiting beliefs around money. It's about our yes. family. It's about what um, patriarchy has done and society has set up and thinking about the laws that are just now changing in recent history. I know, like, it's no wonder that women out there don't, that some women, some of us don't trust ourselves with money when like, not even 50 years ago, you couldn't even get a line of credit. You couldn't even open a bank account. Like that stuff, I believe, I do believe that that stuff like lives in our, in ourselves a little bit. And some of it is about us like unpacking it theoretically. And then some of us is about unpacking it in practice and just learning how to live differently. So our, so our, our ancestors or our, so that we heal in reverse and that we heal forward too. I love that. So I, I think it's great. You keep talking, you've got so much inside of you and my, my job as the interview is just to pull it out. So, um, thank you for giving us that context. I think it's really important. If you were to concisely define imposter syndrome, since we keep throwing that word out, mm. here, I just want to make sure, like, mm. how would you define that? Yeah, I, th I think the best working definition I have on imposter syndrome is that my success occurred by accident. I don't, or I don't deserve my success. One of the reasons that that is so detrimental to women, because everybody has had this, I know, every woman I know has had this experience. I think of it a lot in terms of, my favorite concrete example of this is like when you get a new job and the first day you freak out and you're like, they hired me on accident. I, I somehow bluffed my way through the interview. It's like, no, they didn't you belong. Nobody accidentally hired you. You're fine. You know, but we, I've had that thought, especially when I used to work corporate, I always had that thought. And one of the reasons that this is so detrimental to women is that if we do not own our success, if we do not understand that we created our success, we cannot replicate it. So if I always think that my success is a fluke, if I always think it's an accident, if I always think I, I bluffed my way through the process, then I can never stand in my own power and go, I created this. I am powerful. I have energy. I have, you know, I have the world at my fingertips, right? So it's like, because we can never, because that thought has us disown our experience, uh, we can never own the process of getting there again. I love that you brought it up. It reminded me of a memory um, when mm -hmm. I was first pivoting into the coaching world and I was working to scale it. This was probably five years ago and I was charging like no money before I was mm -hmm. like getting serious. I quadrupled my prices, created a program, went for it. Yes. And at first I was freaking out like, oh my gosh, nobody's going to sign up. Who's going to pay me this money? Mm -hmm. All that, all that 
jargon and grossness and then happens to everyone yes and then people signed up and I was like oh my gosh I have to be prepared to return all of their money because <laughs> they probably don't don't they're not going to get the results that I thought I could give them and now all of a sudden I don't think I can give them and just the yeah. spiral and so oh, yeah. you saying that just re- made me remember remember that time of just like not standing in our success and believing and yeah. of course we can see so Talk to me like specifically about female entrepreneurs. Are there certain specific things in business that you think brings triggers of imposter syndrome? Are there certain like phases of business where you see women kind of pressing up against this? I'd love to dive deeper specifically. Yeah, I think, okay, so I... I'm like trying to decide if I need to go on a rant about this. I'll just open this up. Do it. Go on a rant. Do it. I love it. So, so, you know, like being in the online space is constantly changing, but there was a period of time, especially like I would say in the mid 2000s, maybe 2010, 2015, 2017, I was not like, you know, I wasn't spending my time in the online business space then, but there were a lot of like tech dude bros and like a lot of hustle culture that emerged at that time that is still kind of a hangover that I still think is to women entrepreneur, like entrepreneurial women's detriment. You know, the idea of like, I have to be available all the time. I must be accessible to my clients. I have to have a complicated funnel. I have to buy ads. Like there are all these things. Now, here's the other thing is that all these dude bro hustle marketing scarcity might, you know, and then there's always, I, I equate the scarcity message with the dude bro hustle marketing, the idea, you know, anyone that's like, I only have two spots left. You better claim your spot before it goes. Like, look, as somebody in the coaching space who loves to serve their clients, I just think like, I can always, I'm like, I can always have a client. And even if I can't take you right now, I will have space for you. It is fine. There is always time to get on my roster. You will never hear me with this scarcity bullshit because I think that it is created to undermine the decision-making process, to make you feel like you might be left out, to have you hurry up and make a decision you're not ready to make, which none of that, like if you're making your decisions about investing in your business ventures from those places, it's not going to pan out. I'm sorry to tell you, that's a hard, like that I, for my clients, I want the women that I work with to have as much time as they need it's, it's a big investment. I want you to, to have that conversation with your person. I want to make sure that you're not stressing out about making the investment with me because the more pressure and stress we put around your business, the more it's like, it gets suffocated by that. Right. So I think there are um, some tools in the online space that were created by the hustle culture, the Dubro hustle culture, all of the people that created those tools shock have what they think is a solution to those problems right like everybody who says like oh you have to systematize you have to have a funnel like most of them also want to sell you a funnel and so i'm here to tell you as a business coach and as an entrepreneurial woman you get to decide how you want to build your business you get to decide and and i think the other piece that that misses and that causes imposter syndrome for women in particular is that we're not all at the same place So look, I signed up for Amy Porterfield's email list. I get an email from Amy once a week or whatever, but like Amy's trying to sell me some shit that I'm not ready for. Like my business does not look like Amy Porterfield's business. So her tools aren't aren't gonna work for me and it's okay, but there's this discernment and discretion that our ambition sometimes has us like overlook because like I so badly want my business to be like Amy Porterfield's that I don't really evaluate whether the solution she's selling me makes sense for where my business is at. So I just like to tell women, like, look, we can set aside all this noise from everyone that's trying to sell you everything. 
we can come back to self and we can stand in your power and go, okay, what do you like to do? Okay. I like to create video content. Great. Then let's sell creating video content. You don't need a blog. You don't have to have an email list. I, I set my email list aside three years ago. You will never get an email from me, Heidi B coaching. If you didn't join my list, <laughs> like you just will never get an email from me because I hate doing a mailing list. And I really don't believe that our social media platform, like the, the email list, people are always trying to say, oh, well, you don't own your social media platform. It could go down and you would never have, con you know, whatever. Like I, they're not going down. Instagram's not going anywhere. Facebook's not going anywhere. So like, I'm not, I'm not going to trip on my email list, you know, like it's fine. And like, the beautiful thing is I had like my best month ever last month. Um, and I, I haven't sent an email out in like three years. Right. It. Alignment. It's so, yes. Cool. Yeah. So I think that was a really long winded answer to your question, but I think that entrepreneurial women hear a lot of noise about the way that their businesses should be. And because of all the pieces of, you know, what imposter syndrome is built on cause us to second guess ourselves or to not trust our gut. We hear that noise and we start just buying shit to try to, to try to fix what we, what isn't even broken instead of returning to our centers and going like, what do I like to do? How can I believe that I'm ready to do it and that I'm enough? And how can I just put it out there? You know, like, so I really like to help women build their businesses from a place of, um, of intention and from a place of joy and doing what they like. So I don't like anyone I work with. I'm like, if you don't like it, we're not doing it. I don't know. That's sorry. I don't make the rules. There's no rules. I love that so much. And I think that that's, I remember like you just bringing up the bro marketing tactics and all of this stuff. And when I went through, like, I just got to, you know, shut off my heart and my intuition. I want to scale. I want to impact more lives. So I'm going to abandon all that. And I built the funnels and I spent the tens of thousand dollars on Facebook, Instagram mm -hmm. ads. And I found myself in such a misaligned place and mm -hmm. had to just like have a healing journey of like, I am never going to abandon my intuition again. Yes. Timers, they're fake. We, you know, it's called, <laughs> yeah. you know, dead funnel or whatever. They all of the technology yeah. that we use. So like, yeah. Okay. You know, and um, like, this does not feel authentic. And I love yeah. where you are really placing like, the connection of that with the history of online space and how that creates imposter syndrome for us and why we might find ourselves in places where we are misaligned. Yeah, because you would not believe the number of entrepreneurial women I work with who are like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed by the tech. I have to build a landing page. And I'm like, mm, do you? And they're like, what? No, I need a landing page. I'm like, no, you don't. Do you have a social media platform? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, great. You need a social media platform to market your thing on. And then you need a PayPal or a Venmo to send a link to somebody to pay you. And that is like, and literally, and most of us, most of us are in that space. Now, of course, there are some coaches that are like ready to scale, but most new entrepreneurs aren't. And they just like get caught up in this craziness of like trying to, and it's partly because we're wearing all the hats. It's probably because of all the stuff. So anyway, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. We find ourselves in a place where all that stuff just kind of like gets frenzied and crazied. And it's really great to be able to come back to who we are and build our businesses that way. Love that. Will you maybe give us some, some specific patterns or kind of like the one, the, the imposter syndrome mantras that seem to go on repeat and how you help your clients walk through some of those. Mm, okay. So one of them that I love is it's like meditation. So I don't know if you are comfortable with us doing a little meditation 
or maybe we won't take all the time. I can just kind of like barely, you know, we can, we can figure this out as we go. Go with your intuition. (laughs) So what I like for everyone to do, especially if you're like, if you're like up shit Creek with imposter syndrome, like you feel paralyzed by it, feeling like you're not good enough or feeling like you can't show up like your full self. I would say, I love it. If you can start making a list of like all of the accomplishments of your lifetime really. So if we were doing this in real time, we're not going to do it in real time, but if you're going to do this, like if you want to do this right now, you could just pause the podcast, take three to five minutes and make a list of some shit that you got through. I don't care whether that's like you survived a bad divorce. I don't care if that's like you made it through raising two toddlers under the age of five. I don't care if it's that you got your certificate from like lash school. So now you do lash extensions, whatever you have accomplished, it all counts. And I want it all on the list, right? So if you want to do this in real time, you can pause the podcast and make the list. If you want to save this for later, you can do that as well. So once you've got your list, I always ask people to just kind of like close their eyes down and just like get ready to go on a little journey with your list. And you're just going to take like a couple of deep breaths in. And I hope you're not driving. If you are, pull over, (laughs) release your breath, breathe out. And as you breathe in, You're just going to start to draw in like that golden sunlight is going to come through the crown. It's going to go down the spinal column. It's like thick. It's like honey as you're, and you're breathing it in and it's going through the spinal column, down your shoulders, this golden honey all the way down your arms, your torso. And you're also starting to feel some roots kind of extend from your backside and your feet into the earth. So you're pulling in the golden sunlight and you're extending yourself, getting grounded for real, like into the earth. And we'll just take a couple more seconds to kind of like get there with that vision. And you're in your spot, you're in the earth and you're looking around, maybe you're like in a a little bit of a forest situation and there's like some canopy overhead and the sunlight's coming through you can see like the dust particles in the in the air you're just feeling really connected to the earth and to yourself and you turn to your left and there's like the nicest best version of your younger self like your 14-year-old self, the nicest version of your 14-year-old self. My 14-year-old self could be a little bit of a bitch too, but this is like the best version of your 14-year-old self. And she's sitting next to you. And you have an opportunity to turn to her and she knows she knows who you are. She's happy to see you. She grabs the list out of your hand. And she takes a minute to look over her, her and your list of accomplishments. She's like so excited. She can't believe all this stuff you've been through. She's like, holy shit, we got a car? Oh my God, we don't live in mom, with mom and dad anymore? Oh my God. She's thrilled about this stuff. Can you like take a minute and really soak in the joy that she's experiencing by looking at everything you've accomplished? Can you just give her a hug? Ask her to give you a hug if you're grounded into the earth. And then we'll take a minute and just sit with her. She just can't stop looking at your list. And now we'll start to pull our roots back up from the earth, wiggle around a little bit, open our eyes and just come back to, back to center, right? And then when you're done with that, 
meditation, you can keep your list somewhere like that you see it all the time, right? Like if it's in the bathroom in the morning, if it's at your desk, especially if it's a place where you experience imposter syndrome, keep your list because it's important to remember what you've done, who you are, how far you've come, what you've accomplished. And you can always go back to wherever you met your younger self and just like have a chat with them about like, because your younger self, it doesn't even matter if it's the nicest version that shows up. Your younger self is so impressed with what you've done, you know, and it's just so easy for us to write it off. So that's one of my favorite little meditative tools. I hope that comes through the podcast well. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, good. It's exactly the antithesis of what you said, like, you know, living into imposter syndrome is not believing in your successes. And Mm. so then you can't, you can't repeat it. Yeah. So this is us um, tapping back into the evidence. Yeah. The energy of our success is so beautiful. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, I love that. Thank you for going there with me on that one. Yeah. So what do you see as you have been like some recent stories? Like I would love for us as we kind of wrap up the conversation a little bit to just Mm -hmm. like, what are some recent stories of clients that you've been working with and Mm -hmm. kind of their challenge with imposter syndrome? Like, I don't know, like a pricing thing or something. And how have you seen the transformation? Like, what did you walk through and what was the transformation like? Yeah. Well, I mean, pricing is always, there's always pricing drama, right? Always pricing drama. And I currently have some great coaching myself. I'm in a coaching container. I have to give her a shout out with Melanie Childers. She runs the bad bitch mastermind. And one of the things she always says is that like, look, nothing matters except how you feel about your pricing. Do you feel good about it? Do you feel confident offering it to people? That's the key. Cause like, I used to just get so caught up in like, how long should I offer this for? Should I offer a discount? If they, if they do a container with me, does it have to be less? And we just got to a place where it's like, no, for me, it's like 12 calls is $3,600. Now that's today's price. I don't know. In three weeks, I might feel like, oh, the energetic exchange for 12 calls, $3,600 doesn't feel great anymore. Maybe it's going to go up to $4,200. I've gotten to a place where I'm like, oh, yesterday's price is not today's price. So the beautiful thing about being the CEO of your own business is that you get to decide what the price is. And you're allowed to change that price. It really, especially like for those of us with small platforms, it really doesn't matter as much as your brain or as your imposter syndrome or as patriarchy wants you to think that it does. There's no perfect way to change your price. It is about feeling good about what you are. It's about feeling good for you. So, you know, I had, a, I, I have walked several clients through that and I used to have these like tools of like, well, you know, like, why don't you try selling three at this price? And then once you've sold the three, you can raise the price. Like sometimes that's like a really good kind of confidence builder, but anymore, I just feel like, okay, in an ideal world, what do you want to sell this for? You know, it's usually like more than $1,500 more than what they were going to sell it for. And I'm like, well, let's start there. Can you really get good with being there? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, great. Well, like, let's try it. Let's experiment. Let's see what happens. Um, so a pricing drama doesn't have to be dramatic. You can just decide on the price and then you can just change it. If the price doesn't feel right, like there's no rules. I love it. So I love that. Um, and then another thing I have, like I have a couple of, entre- I have an entrepreneurial woman that I work with who is in the healing space and she and I had to do a lot of work. She does shamanic visioning, um, that is inspired by the four agreements with, uh, the Ruiz family. And she's been an apprentice with them for a long time. And she's done a ton of work with them. And she had some work to do around, like, am I allowed to charge for healing work? You know, I think there are some, um, entrepreneurs out there that are like spiritual or healer, uh, spiritual and healing entrepreneurs that feel like a little nervous about charging 
for their for their services and you know there's a lot of like and it, it just so happens that she grew up in a very religious household and so it's not surprising that like you know she had these old religious beliefs that she actually doesn't believe anymore about spirituality and how people ac access spirituality and now she has this gift that is spiritually based and she felt some kind of way about charging for it you know we actually worked from a place where when she and i started working together she was charging 1200 for 12 sessions and now she's at like 4600 and and the key to having a higher price point like that is just like that comes back to making sure that the vision is funded the vision for your business has to be funded. And so you are gonna need a higher ticket item. And there are plenty of ways to make your business and your message accessible to people who can't afford that high ticket item, including podcasts or whatever content you're creating on social media. All of that stuff is free to people. And there are ways for people to make that accessible. And then the other thing I always talk to my clients about is like, oh, if you want your stuff to be more accessible, like let's just make a payment plan. Like that's fine. And then and everyone's always like, oh, well, do I have to charge more? I mean, you could. Or you can just say like, look, the price is the price. As long as it's paid in full by the time we're done, like we're good to go, you know? So um, I think that one of the places we get wrapped around that that would be the place where I work with my clients the most around pricing is just like the idea that there are these rules and like, there's not. <laughs> so releasing. I love that. Yeah. And just don't take it so seriously. Step into your no. more. Yeah. What, as we wrap up this conversation, this has been so amazing, giving us context Aww. of why do we struggle with imposter syndrome? You know, where does that come from with our pie chart in two mm -hmm. different um, ways to work through it? What would you say is something you really want to leave people thinking about, reflecting on? Mm -hmm. What is that one last thing? Yeah, I mean, I think it is what we talked about at the beginning of the show, which is that like, you are the creator and you have the ability to create and to co-create with whatever, you know, if you have a spiritual path and you want to co whatever, right? Like you have the ability to create and to co-create and your successes are yours. And it's time to step into them like, like they matter and like they are yours, you know, and like, you know how to replicate them. So that's the biggest thing. I, I think that's the biggest thing you already, and I mentioned this in a lot of my content and I mentioned it as well in my coaching stuff, which is like, you know how to run your business. You actually don't need me as a business coach to do a business. We'll probably get it done faster together just because like I have some experience that I can help you avoid some pitfalls, but like you actually, everything you need, you already have. So you don't need any of this external bullshit. You just need to be willing to step into what it is that your heart is calling you to do and to be willing to believe that you can create that. Mm. I always say that the magic is inside of my clients and my role yes. is to draw it out. Exactly. I love it. Oh my God. Oh, I just got I chills. Feel like I could go run a marathon right now. <laughs> I just like energy that's coming through the screen <laughs> and the microphone. I'm like I can conquer the world. I can do anything. I love that's it. That's good. That's Thank good. You for transferring that energy to us. Oh, and just sharing your, your strong um, insights and I can tell that you're very passionate about change in this area. So thank you. <laughs> oh, um, such a treat. Thank you so much. Okay. We're going to do our rapid fire wealthy women questions. And then okay. I want to be sure people can find you. So we'll get to yes. that in a second. Okay. Heidi, what is your earliest memory around money and how has that impacted you? 
Oh my God. Okay. This is my dad. This is a family related memory, but my dad used to get credit card bills and then he would put them on the shelf and just be like, I'll just pay those whenever I want to. And how did that impact me? I mean, my credit score was a nightmare. And when I was in my twenties, I very much replicated. Now, the other thing is I have to say, I'm a sober alcoholic in recovery. So I had some stuff going on. All my, my people in my sphere know that it's fine. I had some stuff going on, but I replicated that kind of like head in the sand behavior of like, I'll do this whenever I want. And it was painful to get out of, but we're back to, we're back to baseline. So we're in good shape now. <laughs> Thank you for being, you know, the reason I asked these rapid fire questions is, you know, sometimes on those tuning in, I think that they probably a lot of imposter syndrome. They're in a completely different world when it comes yeah. to their relationship with money. I think I just want to take a subject that could be so taboo and mm-hmm. say, Hey, here's like a way to expose our stories and our journeys. And so mm-hmm. we're so honest about that. Oh God, of course. My, I feel like, oh, go sorry, go ahead. You go. No, that's <laughs> no, all good. Next question. Okay. <laughs> um, what's a money moment that you are most proud of? Uh, you know, I think there is, there was an opportunity for me to clean up some wreckage from my, my drinking days, from the, the worst wreckage of my alcoholism. And um, some of that was about like calling up creditors and making sure that I was paid up. And some of that was about calling former employers and saying like, Hey, I, I owe you some time or some money. And, you know, the nicest, the, the most, the best feeling is that most people, most of the people I called were like, don't worry about it. Like, just stay sober, keep doing your thing. Um, and that really was like a huge gift of like, okay, I am, I'm prepared to make these financial amends. I'm willing to do whatever is asked of me here around like payment plans or whatever it is. And like, that was really powerful moments. It, it, it was kind of like a taking radical responsibility moment and also kind of going like, look, I, I created this wreckage. I can create the healing from it as well, you know? So that, that was a big deal. Beautiful. So full of integrity. I love it. <laughs> if I were to give you a hundred thousand dollars right now, what would you do with it? Oh, uh, okay. Well, first of all, I'd buy a Cartier tank watch. I have always wanted a Cartier tank watch. It's like all my dream. Like I don't, I decided the other day, I just, I was like justifying the idea of jewelry and I was like, jewelry lasts longer, longer than handbags. So like, I'll just go buy a jewelry. So I'm not gonna lie. First thing I would do is I would buy a Cartier tank watch. Then I probably would take care of a little bit of debt that I have because I also invested in some Facebook ads that I put on a credit card that did not pin out for me, which is like, I also, I, I mean, if we had all day, Aaron, I feel like I could talk to you about this stuff all day, but so I'd pay off a little bit of credit card debt and then I would do a little bit of investing for my future. And then I, I feel like I would just like, you know, I would, I'm like already all in on my business, but I just would like. I don't know. I think I would just kick back then. I, what would you do? I feel like I need to know what you would do with Hunter K. Hey, you turned the you turned it around on me. Let's see here. I would definitely go on the trip to Europe with my husband. Yes. We just had some massive shifts in our real estate company, so mm-hmm. I would probably take most of it and put it in there. Love it. I love I love a moment where we get to sell. It. I mean, that is the other thing about imposter syndrome. I feel like imposter syndrome has us minimize our wins and so it's so important for us to be celebrating our wins so like if I got 100k hell yeah I'm going to celebrate that as a win I'm going to buy something I want I'm going to go on that vacation I want and I'm probably also going to do something responsible with part of it too but like there's celebration to be had in so many places that we just kind of gloss over and so I love the idea of celebrating that windfall in those ways so good I love it I feel like this is the exact space that we should 
wrap up these questions and uh i would challenge people who are tuning in i want you to take like two minutes once the the music ends of the show and all that to celebrate a recent win and to step into your power in that way Heidi, thank you so much again for bringing your passion and for helping us to heal in in spaces that are so necessary for us to step into our power and our wealth. Um, Will you share where people can find you? And I, yeah, just share where people can find you. Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm hanging out. I'm at Heidi B coaching on Instagram. I have a podcast that's on hiatus right now. It's called the Heidi B show where I just use that, um, that platform to amplify the voices of entrepreneurial women. Um, there's all kinds of stuff on Instagram. So head over there. And, uh, if you want to, if you want to get in touch, send me a message. That's like, that's, I don't have a complicated funnel system. So just send me a DM and we'll talk. She's relational. You can just chat in the DMS. I know right. it because I've done it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you can access all the latest episodes. And while you're at it, would you take a few minutes to leave a review? This will spread the word and spread the Wealthy Woman movement. Are you inspired to take your money mindset management to the next level? Head to www.erinbridgman.com and join the waitlist for the Wealthy Woman Intensive. The doors to my coaching program only open a few times a year and spots are limited. So be sure to join the waitlist so you can be the first to hear when a new cohort begins. Cheers for now.